Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Welcome to New Life Church this morning. We are excited that you guys are with us today and you are with us online. I want to say hi to those of you watching, participating online. Welcome in uh, to today's service. Let me invite you to turn or click to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I feel like this word, the message, is really more like an exclamation point on already what has been established this morning, what has been sung, what has been prayed, where we have been exhorted, the invitation to the table to partake of the elements of communion. And it's our hope, our goal, and it's our heart that when we leave today that we would feel and know that we are closer to the Lord than we were before we came in. And... Uh, and so we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're continuing with a series that we started a couple of weeks ago called Remaining Faithful to God's Way. It's really um, a tag to our theme for the year as a church called Moving Forward God's Way that we began in January. And so we're moving in this letter here. We're walking through this letter, this second letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, his son in the faith, Timothy, who was a pastor in Ephesus that he helped establish, that he handpicked and groomed and mentored and discipled and set him in place there to be a pastor. And it's, it's uh, written around the A.D. 66 mark, and that's important because that was the time that Paul was in prison in Rome, and it was just shy of his execution. And he wrote this in a very personal way, to his son Timothy, and, and one of our goals, objectives as we go through this letter is to see and be partakers of this letter in a personal way as if it were written to us as well. Uh, now we have a side note with Timothy being uh, in, in the ministry full-time as a pastor, and a lot of it is taken in that direction and received in that direction, but it also applies to all believers to all of us who follow Christ, to all of us who are aiming our life in His direction. And so the, the goal is to try to receive this letter in that kind of a personal way. And we've been trying to answer this question that this letter proposes, and that is how can we remain faithful to God's way in these last days? Because as we get into the next chapter in chapter 3, Paul goes, uh, he just takes a deep dive right into that and talks about in the last days. And we'll, we'll save that for next week. But that's where we're at, trying to look and gain inspiration and direction and guidance and some, and some, some structure to how we as believers in Jesus in these last days can remain faithful to God's way. Last week we, we went through the first Verses of chapter 2, where Paul talked to us and, and wrote, Hey, we overcome our hardships by the grace of Jesus Christ. And we really kind of dove into that and talked about what that meant. And we're going to look at it this way. He kind of shifts gears, kind of changes gears in, in, in verse 10. And he shifts gears uh, to take it from, Hey, this is why you need to overcome hardships in your life. This is why you need the grace of God to be strong in you. And look at this in verse 10. It's kind of the transitional verse in this part of the letter. Paul writes, I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. 
Just listen to me as I read it from the Passion Translation. He says, I'm willing to endure anything, endure hardships, so others can discover the overcoming life in Jesus and experience a glory that lasts forever. I mean, what a statement Paul makes to write personally to Timothy to encourage him to remain faithful to God's way that, hey, I'm willing to endure all hardships in my life if it means that other people that I cross paths with can discover this same overcoming life that I have in Jesus and so that they will experience a glory that is in Christ that will last forever. Now, to say it sounds kind of crazy because not all of believers, not all of us live that way. Not all of us live to say, hey, I know I'll go through things, but I, I got to take care of me, myself, and, and, and my. I got I to make sure I'm good. But the way of the gospel, the way of the kingdom, the way of Jesus tells us and teaches us and admonishes us, hey, take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. In other words, we're going to bear the mark of sacrifice. We're going to bear the mark of hardship. We're going to bear the mark of enduring suffering. Why? Well, there's several answers to that. One of the answers that we, answered, we, we brought forth last week, today we're going to look at the other side, and that is because there are people in our life that are looking and will receive from our testimony. Our walk with Jesus. And our walk with Jesus means that we will have to endure hardships. We will have to overcome hardships. And Paul is telling Timothy, hey man, you're going you're to go through all sorts of things. You're going to go through all kinds of difficulties in your life. But listen, listen, listen. He says, listen, I, I will endure these hardships. And I'm admonishing you to endure them because there are others who need to experience the same overcoming life that you have in Jesus. I like the way the Passion say, says it, an overcoming life. I mean, nobody, nobody says, sign me up for the losing team. Nobody says, I'm going to be a part of that losing team. I want to be a part of the team that just stinks. I just love losing. I don't, I don't like winning. I hate, I hate it. Nobody says that. Jesus, life in him doesn't, it doesn't mean we're scot-free from issues and problems and trials and testings and afflictions and hardships. It just means with him we will make it. In him we will overcome. In him we will be changed. In him our life will be different. In him we will change generations that are coming up from under us and after us. You and I have to remember that there were people who went way ahead who were before you and I, who paved the way, who endured hardship, who, who went through struggles, who went through temptations, who overcame trials, who were changed and left a path for you and I to follow. And the same is for you and me today, that there are people all around us older and younger people in this world who are looking to the church, who are looking not to the institution, but who are looking to the body of Christ to show them, is this life in Christ really real? And we have to be able to walk this thing out. And here in verse 15, he gets into what he's, what he's talking about. And I've titled today's message, 
be an approved worker. In other words, a laborer, a person who will work in the kingdom, a person who will labor in the kingdom, a person who will cultivate their life in the kingdom for the sake of others to know Jesus. He says this in verse 15, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. We're going to look at what, they, what, he, what does he mean, work hard to present yourself to God and receive his approval, to be able to not be ashamed in their life for the truth. The word approved implies being tried being tested, coming out acceptable. When Paul wrote this, this is what he had in mind. In the ancient world, there was no banking system like you and I have today. No paper money. All money was metal. It was heated into a liquid form. Then it was poured into molds. And then it was allowed to cool. And after it cooled, then they, the coins were then um, shaved off on the sides. All the uneven edges were, were shaved off and to be smooth. The coins were soft and many people went beyond the norm and shaved them even more closely. And in one century, there were more than 80 laws that were passed in Athens to stop the practice of whittling down the coins that were in circulation at that time. But there were some money changers who were honest, who were, had integrity, who would not accept the counterfeit money that was in circulation. They were men of honor. They were genuine in their hearts. They would only allow honest, genuine, full-weighted money to be accepted and continue to remain in circulation. These money changers who were honest and had integrity were called Dokimos, which is the word Paul uses here for approved. They were tested, but they came out approved. And it's this same word Paul uses here, approved, that as Christians, we are to be that type of a person, that kind of a people who are visible to this world. Approved workers. You see, like money, our life goes into circulation in, a, in and around people, in and around situations. And like money, our lives are mishandled. Lives can be dropped. Lives can be abused. Lives can be misused. Lives can be lost and forgotten about. You know coins you find in your couch, coins you find under the car seat, coins you find stuck to things, and you're like, I don't even know that I want to touch it, but it's a, it's a quarter, and I'm not going to let a quarter go to waste. And it's sticky and nasty from the kids' juice boxes and that melted Tootsie Roll from the car in the sun, you know. And money, like lives, go through that type, those type of situations. But the implication here where Paul writes, work hard to present yourself, what he's saying is this, is we, you and I need to continue to be eager and diligent to present our lives to God, to give ourselves into the hand of God, coming through the trials, coming through the test, approved, so that you and I can then be the kind of workers in this world 
to fulfill God's will and God's purpose. And so now, by God's grace, in the hand of God, our lives will be in circulation to make a difference in someone else's life, to be the change that someone else needs. You ever thought about that? Your life to be the kind of change that someone else needs? Your life matters. Your life is significant. Look at me. Your life is valuable. I don't care how anybody else has treated you when your life has been in circulation around other people and other situations. Maybe people close to you, maybe people distant from you, maybe strangers have mistreated you and mishandled you. But in the hands of God, your life is significant. Your life has meaning. Your life has value. And by the grace of God, He touches your life. And now when He sends you into this world in circulation, instead of being negatively impacted by others, He charges you and empowers you and I to be the kind of people who will make a difference in their life. You and I are called to be change makers in this world. And so Paul uses these word, this word approve, someone who goes through tests and goes through trials, but comes out of those tests and trials acceptable, proven, ready for God to use in these last days. We can do this. You and I can be approved workers. What does it look like to be an approved worker? Well, he spends the rest of this part of the letter in chapter 2 explaining. I just want to pull three things out, three attributes that he highlights as an approved worker. He says, approved workers stay clear of pious talk. Approved, Approved workers stands firm on the truth. And approved workers are stirred by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this, verse 16. Paul goes, he says, hey, avoid worthless, look at it with me, avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer, as in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. And in this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. Avoid worthless, foolish talk. The deeper layer of the, of the meaning of those words is piety, pious talk. He said, avoid, stay clear of pious talk, pious, trying to pretend to be something that you're not. He reiterates this later in his letter. Look at verse 5 of the next chapter. It should be on the screen. It says, they act religious, but they reject the power that can make them godly. Pretending to be something you're not. And he, he tells Timothy, and he tells us here three times, he says it in verse 14, verse 17, and later on down in verse 23, to avoid this type of talk, to avoid this kind of thinking. Why? He said it spreads like cancer, and the word he uses there for cancer is actually gangrene, which is an inflammation in your body that it, it is so bad that if it's, uh, unless it's remedied, it'll actually eat away down to the bone. It'll go deep. It'll go real deep. Somebody once told me, beauty is skin deep, but ugliness is to the bone. I have never forgotten that. I don't even know who I heard it from. 
that I've never forgotten. You ever hear something like that? You're like, you're, you don't know where you heard it, but you, it never leaves you. Sometimes good things, sometimes bad things. But um, said that, that's, he said that it's like cancer. He said when you, when you live pious, when you talk pious, when you pretend to be something you're not, it actually brings on negative effects in your life. He said, and he uses these two guys here, these two people here, Hymenaeus and Philetus. He said they lost their way. They thought they, they thought they knew everything. You ever been around anybody like that? Don't raise your hand. Been around people who just think they know everything. They got an answer for everything. So they lived in error. And as a result, this is really bad. They literally turned people's life upside down from the faith. When, when anyone's guilty of turning people away from the faith in Christ, is never a good sight. It never ends well. This kind of thinking stems from the pharisaical attitude. Paul once being a Pharisee of Pharisees. Philippians 3, he writes about that in detail. He was a Pharisee if there ever was a Pharisee, he said about himself. But no longer now in Christ, he's not that way. But he's writing with, that, with this understanding in mind. He's telling us this, hey, avoid, stay clear of pious talk because it stems from a Pharisaical attitude. It's an attitude that is self-righteous and hypocritical. And people aren't really in search of hypocritical, fake things. People want real. I mean, unless it's counterfeit money, then there's, there's a whole gang of people out there for that. But in reality, the search is for genuineness. The search is for reality. The search is for what is real in a person's life. And this stems, Paul said, from this pharisaical attitude. Over the centuries, the Pharisees had developed 613 laws. 248 of those laws were, were positive commands, meaning do this, do this, do this, do it this way, do it that way, do it this way, do it that way. 248. 365 of those laws were three were 365 of those laws were negative commands. Don't do this. Don't do that. So there's enough negative laws to have one every day to don't do that. And all of it was set up to make you look like something that you're not. So if you're going to be an approved worker in, this, in these last days, you can't be fake. You can't, you can't play the game of religion. It's not about looking like it. It's just about being like it. Then the second thing he says this, and he says, approved workers stand firm on truth. You guys with me? Verse 19 says, God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver. Some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. The cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use, a vessel of honor. So your life will be clean. You will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Verse 22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. 
Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. He actually says three things here on an approved worker who stands firm on the truth. The first one is simply this. Your life belongs to Jesus. You know, what you and I stand on determines the kind of people we will be. It determines how our life will, how it will turn out. What we stand on will also determine the kind of people in our circle. What we choose to stand on. An approved worker, someone who labors for the Lord, someone who seeks the, the life and the will and the purpose of God stands firm on the truth. First and foremost, he says, you belong to Jesus. The Lord knows those who are his, those who have called on him for salvation. He also says this, he says, an approved worker who stands on truth is someone who is, will be a vessel of honor. A vessel of honor. And he goes on to describe that. He says, your life will be clean. Now listen, that doesn't mean you're going to be Mr. and Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. That doesn't mean you're going to have all your life together. You're not going to have any flaws. You're not going to have any negative side effects in your life. He says that that's not what he's getting at. What he's getting at is instead of trying to live perfect, live positioned in the hand of God. A person who, is, who stands on truth is a vessel of honor, and a vessel of honor is someone who stays positioned in the hand of God. Like the potter and the clay the Lord gave Jeremiah the prophet way back when a vision of that. He went and he saw a potter working on clay and how he was forming the clay and molding the clay and shaping the clay and how he even had to begin again at some point because it wasn't turning out the way the potter hoped and saw. So he began again and started the process all over again. And so being a vessel of honor is not about being perfect. It's not about having all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. It's, it's not all about speaking the perfect Christian lingo all the time. I love how Lindsay approached the communion table today. Ordinary. God uses the ordinary to do extraordinary. God doesn't call the perfect he calls the weak. He calls those who, who can acknowledge, I don't have it all together. I've got flaws. I got issues. I got shortcomings. I realize I need a savior. I realize I need a redeemer. I realize I need a deliverer. I realize that, man, I need a transformer, not the toy, but God. Transformer toys are cool too. I realize a vessel of honor, Paul writes, is not someone who tries to be perfect, but is just someone who simply stays in the hand of God, in the potter's hand, and letting him use you, letting him mold you, letting him make you. And then he says, and then when, you, and then when you're staying in that position, then you become ready for the master to use you. Look at this verse with me in uh, Ephesians 2 verse 10. It's another one of Paul's. He says this. He says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love that. We are God's 
masterpiece. God does not make anything of, he doesn't make junk. He turns us into his masterpiece. In Christ Jesus, he makes us new so that we can do all the things, the good things that he has planned for us to do even before we were here. He had a plan in mind. He had a purpose in mind. And the only way you and I get to figure that out, the only way we get to step off into that purpose, the only way we get to walk in that kind of life is belonging to Jesus, staying positioned in the hand of God, and letting God mold, letting God work. Let God have those areas of our life that we like to keep control of. Those areas of our life where we, we like to, you know, call the shots. Those areas of our life that, that are rough around the edges. That we know, man, the Holy Spirit's trying to rework something here. He's trying to refine me. He, he's trying to do something brand new in this part of my life. Some of us, we might have some, we might have some things lingering from our past. That we thought, man, that happened so long ago that by now I shouldn't even, that shouldn't even have an effect on me. But it, you and I, are, we'd be surprised at how often our past sneaks up on us and scares us. It, it likes to hide in the corners. And man, we walk by, boom, it jumps out and freaks us out. And then what's it do? It puts us in a in a protective mode, a fear mode, a, a mode of, of living timid and living shy. But another one of Paul's writings is, hey, the Holy Spirit in you is not of fear and timidity, but it's of power, it's of love, and if it's, a, it's of a sound, disciplined mind. And in Christ Jesus, we came to the table today, the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of all of our sins, our past, our present, and any we may commit in the future. But if we will yield and stay in the hand of God, we can walk in the love and the forgiveness of God in our heart and towards one another. Being in a place ready for God to use you stems from staying in the hand of the potter. Listen, God has a plan for you. God has a shape for you. He has a mold for you that he created just for you and no one else. Just for you and no one else. There is a unique plan, a unique purpose. But then he finishes this thought off with enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Standing firm in truth also has to deal with a person being in community with believers. This is a thing, these things are, are told over and over again throughout Scripture, particularly about joining your life with those in the community of faith. You know, those we are closest to will impact us the most. And Paul admonishes Timothy, hey, run with people who will help you pursue righteous living, love, faith, all of those things, a life of peace, a life in the way of God. And I want to encourage you, especially as we are, you know, been in a season of life where we have been told to separate, isolate, run, hide, all the things that now let's take advantage of what we've been given, a breath of fresh air, and let's take advantage of connecting 
with one another. And let's take advantage of making sure that our life is not a facade with someone else, but that we have one, two, three other people in our life that we know we can be completely honest with. We can completely let our hair down. We can be ourselves and not be afraid if someone else is going to judge us. You can confess your sin and your shortcomings to that one, two, or three other people, and you know they're not going to go run and tell it. But they're going to keep it close, and they're going to pray for you, and they're going to be there to encourage you. I, I would even add, look, I would not even really literally stand, be standing here before you if I did not have those kind of people in my life. That I try my hardest to practice what I preach and there are some weeks it's hard as you know what to do that. Because the way of carrying our cross is not always easy, convenient, and, and, and comfortable. And I'm not standing here before you to tell you I've arrived, but I take on the words of Paul that he'll talk about later. I haven't made it. I haven't arrived. I have not reached perfection. I think that might be in Philippians. That's not in Timothy, is it? Yeah, but it's still Paul. It's still preach. <laughs> Told you I wasn't perfect. And the last one is this. An approved worker is someone who is stirred by the Holy Spirit. Now, he doesn't use the words stirred by the Holy Spirit, but I'm conflicted in my mind, and I like to have things match a certain way. So you notice each one starts with an S, stays clear of pious talk, stands firm on truth, and stirred by the Holy Spirit. It just helps me remember what the Word is telling me, and I'll tell it to you the way it's told to me. And I don't think I can go wrong when I do it that way. Is that okay? That's why we got like guys like Thomas and Pastor Prentice and others who are like, you know, you, you said something wrong, and you need to make it right. So please help me in that. Verse 24. He says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. We don't ever experience difficult people. Nobody does. No difficult people in the world. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. They will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses, and they will escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. When it comes to mixing it up with people, and if, everybody, if there's anybody who's ever mixed it up with people, it was Paul. Paul mixed it up with people. He's teaching Timothy, teaching us. When it comes to mixing it up with people, because you don't have life without people, we need the helper. We need the Holy Spirit. What Paul does use are words to describe the fruit of the Spirit. It says, don't quarrel. In other words, be self-controlled. Let's look at what the fruit of the Spirit has to say in Galatians 5, verse 22. Look at these two verses with me. It says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Hate, bitterness. Am I reading it right? Okay, I'm making sure you didn't fall asleep on me. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, mm-hmm, joy. Amen. Peace. Yes, sir. Patience. All right. Kindness. 
Okay, goodness, you own it now. Faithfulness, that's what I need. Gentleness, ah, self-control against these things. There is no law. And you don't hear too many messages on being gentle. Because we're taught in this world, you better be strong. You better give the impression you've got it all together, right? When you deal with that situation at work, you better come in hot. Paul's like, you're going to encounter some people in your life. They're not going to be kind. They're not going to be nice. They might use words you are never allowed to use. But you know some of us use those words. He said, you need to be stirred by the Spirit. Come on, somebody. Am I talking to anybody today? You've got some people in your life that you mix it up with that unless the helper was there to help you, it would be cray-cray. Y'all going to make me lose my mind. It's a good song to sing to your kids at times, right? Y'all going to make me lose my mind. Come on, help me, Holy Spirit. You know, sir, some, there are some moments in my days that I, all I can do, and I'm having those ordinary moments like Lindsay, and I'm just like, help me, Holy Spirit. I can't really pray much beyond that theological degree that I have, but all I know is I can call on the name of the Lord, and Paul's reminding Timothy, and he's reminding you and me that if we're going to make a difference in this world, we're going to be the kind of change this world needs, then we just need to yield to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to help us. Ask the Holy Spirit, help me. I need love. I need joy. I need peace. I need patience. I need kindness. I need gentleness. I need self-control. I need all of the fruit that you got to offer. And if there were more, I'll take more. Amen? Because here's the deal. God never expected you and I to be perfect in this imperfect world. He expects his perfectness to be lived through us. Him to showcase himself. Not for Jeremy to showcase Jeremy. Because Lord knows I have upset some people in my day and time. Knowing and unknowingly. And I feel bad on those times that I know I, I did not help somebody. That I hurt them. Because I did not have the help of the Holy Spirit working in me. I chose the way of my flesh instead of the way of the Spirit. But look at this awesome outcome. i got to close this thing down. He said, but look at the outcome in verse 25. He says, perhaps when you're stirred by the Spirit, God will change people's hearts. They will learn truth, and they will escape the devil's trap. Isn't that really what we want to see happen? Instead of winning an argument, we win a heart. Instead of trying to be right, I heard somebody preach this recently, just be righteous. Why? Because we want people to know the truth. We want others to be free from the devil's traps. 
Maybe we have family members who are trapped. We have people in our community there where we live or where we work or where we go to school. Maybe there's a person you met at the grocery store that you can't seem to never not see them. Maybe they're trapped. I don't know. But there are people in our life, people on our path that God will put that need to hear and need to receive and need to be and need you and I to be the kind of change they need in our life. Now listen, I don't mean, Paul doesn't mean here, hey, you're going to always be perfect and get it right every time. But what we will do is, is always be eager. I love that part. Work hard. Be eager. Keep putting yourself before God and in God's hand. Okay, you blew it last week. Okay, you really messed that up yesterday. But go back to the Lord. Go back to the Lord. Go back to the Lord and kneel and humble yourself and ask God to forgive you and help you next time you will get it right. God, I will continuously present myself to you so that I can be a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. I don't want to live ashamed and not meaning I live hidden in a closet. Ashamed meaning I did not allow you to work and live through me. So I will endure anything so that others can experience this overcoming life in Jesus and experience a glory that lasts forever. Take away. Don't be religious. Live truth in a relationship with Jesus and with the church. Let the Holy Spirit fill you daily. We started this whole letter, this whole series out with super simple, yet super spiritual. We make it super hard. Come on, let's stand. I want to pray for you and bless you today. Hey, they're ready. They're ready to go. Happy one, by the way, right? You just turned one? Oh, three. I'm sorry. I don't know where I got one at. Three. Happy birthday. That's awesome. Very good. Very good. Lord, I just thank you for your people. I bless your people today. Help us, God, to live this out. Help us to live this out, Lord, not of our own strength, but as you admonished us to be strong in the grace through Jesus Christ. Help us to not be caught up on ourselves, to be caught up on trying to get it right all the time, but just living in a real, authentic, truthful relationship with you in the church that you've called us to be a part of. And Holy Spirit, take over. May we see it more of the manifestation of your spirit in our life than we ever have before. May we see more of your spirit coming alive in us, being alive in us, stirring us, growing in us, expanding in us more than we ever have before so that we can be the approved worker that you call all of us to be. In the name of Jesus.